What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 15th episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm with my co-hosts, and I just did this for the second straight week, pointed at Hunter Evans, was about to say Scott. Here with Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. It's good to have everybody back with us this week. We're really excited. It's been a fun last couple weeks of uh, really just speculation, honestly, and uh, coaching hires and just trying to figure out what the heck is going on inside the stadium. Um, Obviously, if you're with us, you know Tom Coughlin is now the executive vice president of football operations, which really just means he's the man. He is the dude. Yeah. The big man. He, for all intents and purposes, is the GM. I know that they'll say that Dave Caldwell didn't get demoted, but he did. He has a new boss, a new sheriff's in town. And uh, we just wanted to bring you in with the sounds of Pennywise's Brohem, which is often played. It's me jacked up. Often played <laughs> after Jaguar touchdowns, which we're going to hear a ton of this coming fall uh, at home for the home fans, hopefully. I was about to say often. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a bold prediction, okay? <laughs> I'm being bold. We're going to hear it all the time. Probably like three or four times a game next year, uh, at least. Three sure. or four? Yeah, at least. I'll take two. <laughs> really? I'll take one. <laughs> so again, this is the Jim Jag Podcast. Thanks for stopping by with us today. We've got myself, at Jordan DeLugo, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hunter Evans, Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven on Twitter. And Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one on Twitter. Um... We've got a lot to get into today. There's been a lot of interesting rumors and all sorts of stuff going on. Before we get too much into the rumors, we want to cover what has actually happened, which is you're starting to see the coaching staff really come together. Not all the assistant coaches have been named yet. The offensive coordinator hasn't even been named yet. But you're starting to see some different pieces trickle in. Um, So we'll go ahead and start on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Todd Wash will be the defensive coordinator, and uh, that didn't really come as a big surprise to anyone. Um, Oh, wow. As we are speaking right now, Nathaniel Hackett has been named the Jaguars' offensive coordinator. I'm going to do some research. It's by Adam Cap. That's from Adam Kaplan, NFL. That's a verified account. It's actually his account. I'm looking. There is the check. (laughs) <laughs> it's not Adam Scherfter or whatever. You know. Schnepner. <laughs> yeah. So, when you're listening to this tomorrow, you're going to be like, oh, those guys were behind. Well, we weren't behind. We were on top of it. Yeah, so Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator. So, we're going to have to uh, pause our regularly scheduled programming and get into that. What do we think, guys? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Obviously, I, it was, for anyone who doesn't know, it was pretty much between Nathaniel Hackett who was our offensive coordinator in 2016 for half the year, pretty much. He replaced Greg Olson after Greg Olson got fired. Uh, It was between him and Chip Kelly is what it seemed like because the Jaguars did interview Chip Kelly for the offensive coordinator position. It's not clear what happened, really. Um, Okay, cool. And now we've got confirmation, finally, that Marion Hobby will in fact be the Jaguars defensive line coach. It was reported that Hobby would be 
would be a new member of the Jaguars staff. But it's, it, like, it's like they knew when we started recording. <laughs> yeah, started the Jaguars are like, oh, the Jin Jag podcast is recording right now. Let's break the news. All right. So, yeah, Hobby is going to be the Jaguars D-line coach. He He's really exciting guy, in my opinion. He's been working as the Clemson co-defensive coordinator and defensive end coach since yeah. 2011. Uh, he's only had Vic Beasley, Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd, all sorts of great players on that D-line. And then all sorts of great players uh, at linebacker and in the secondary, too. So he's worked with some of the most talented guys that have come out in the draft lately. And, I mean, he's worked with the NFL's leading sack man in 2016. <laughs> I, I mean, mean he, he's, he's had a lot of success in the past couple of years yeah. as far as producing talent, not only and you know getting the talent in, which having Dabo Swinney kind of helps. And and the, the well, a lot of the recruiting he, falls on these guys. And yeah, he's he's a well, he's one of the more well-respected college coaches. And now the fact that he's back with the Jags uh, in the NFL, that's really exciting. I believe he has so much talent to work with already yeah. with Malik Jackson, Sanderic Marks, Roy Miller, Dante Fowler, Unique Ngakwe. There's talent on the defensive line. Now, there might be even a newer, shinier toy to play with once the draft comes along with the first-round pick. It's looking, in my mind's eye, more and more like Jonathan Allen might be that guy. And I'm sure Hunter won't complain about that. I won't complain at (laughs) all. I don't think any Jaguar fans will. No. If you're complaining about it, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) What are you complaining about? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so good stuff with Hobby. Now... That's obviously not as important as the offensive coordinator position that was just announced. So, um, what do you guys think? What is this good move? Obviously, the biggest thing for this offense is Blake Bortles. There's obviously other important aspects of the offense, getting the running game going in 2017 and such. But, you know, what do you guys think? Are we happy with Hackett? I think... It's promising. I mean, <clears throat> taking over, running another coordinator's offense, and he looked better than the guy. Right. <laughs> he tweaked it, of course. You know, he, he, he made some changes. But there's only so much you can do. Exactly. Especially when you're thrown to the wolves there's with already, about a week to prepare yeah. two weeks. There's fun, fundamental stuff ingrained that you kind of have to work around. Right. And he made it work. Now he gets to bring in his system – he gets to, to do it his way. Um, it's not going to be as high-flying, quick tempo as Chip Kelly might have brought. But and that might be one of the reasons that Kelly's not in town. Maybe yeah. I, I maybe Coughlin was like, you know, I, I'm intrigued by you, but I, w- it's, I don't know about this one. Chip Kelly, to me, it was always like a, I hope. He can do okay, but to me, it's it's we've seen so often here where we get a three and out, defense is back on the field. If yeah. you do that in under thirty seconds, it's going to be a long day for your defense. Absolutely, and that's definitely not <laughs> something they can have. What do you think, Hunter? The resident coach here. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I've had a chance to meet uh, Nathaniel Hackett a time or two, and um, I've somewhat stayed in contact. Not much, but plan on meeting him. This offseason, actually, we had talked about doing. Um, but I think 
Some of it, I think, has to go to the fact that uh, Doug Marone was very comfortable with Hackett, seeing their past. I mean, when you're the off- offense coordinator for Marone at Syracuse and Buffalo, there's got to be some kind of comfortability. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. I mean, there's history there. Uh, I I'll have already seen on Twitter that either Hackett was more comfortable, or Marone was more comfortable with Hackett, or Chip Kelly. Did not took uh, you know turn down the offer. That, yeah, that, uh, yeah, which that's, is very that's going to be a thing, and that's kind of been a uh, theme. This whole is people turning down. Well, perceived yeah. people not being interested because of Blake Bortles, and I really don't think that's the accurate narrative. We'll never really know because the Jaguars are never going to admit that you know coaches turn them down, and that's just never going to happen. But I mean, obviously. Obviously, this is where we are. We're with Hackett. Do we think Hackett can get the running game going? Do we think Hackett can get Bortles going? I mean, the last two games of the season last year would suggest yes. But um, what do you guys think moving to 2017? I'm 100% okay with it. Yeah, I, I like Nathaniel Hackett. I like his the scheme that I've heard him talk. I've, I, I like everything he's you know, kind of put on paper that I've seen. Um, obviously, it's not necessarily the tape he put on film, um, but everything about him and his past and what I know about him and what I've talked with him and been able to hear, I like. And it's hard not to. He's very passionate, very passionate about what he does. Um, and I think he might bring a little bit of a, I want to say a college feel to the offense, mm-hmm. but he'll bring a little bit more intensity than some other people would. Maybe a Greg Olson. It's not as polished. Yeah. Like Yeah, gosh. Greg Olson was very dry. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what we need. I mean, look at the roster. How young are the Jaguars? Like, they're all around our age, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I think the av- the roster, I think the average is 25. So, so, yeah. I mean, you got a quarterback who's 24. Allen Robinson, what, 24. So, it's you got to have some kind of excitement going into it. And I think... Nathaniel Hackett brings that excitement uh, to this offense. Yeah. And definitely will spread it out. Yeah. And talking about Jonathan Allen being the guy, if, <laughs> if people don't seriously look at a Dalvin Cook yeah. in Nathaniel Hackett's offense, Ooh, dude. I mean, look at what C.J. Spiller did in Buffalo with Nathaniel Hackett. And C.J. is a talented guy, but... He is not as nearly as a complete of running yeah. back as Dalvin Cook. So I'm just thinking about if we spread it out with the receivers we already have, a quarterback that could do the job, and a Dalvin Cook back there. And there's there's some guards hitting free agency I, that would be a huge upgrade. And, you know, <laughs> I think it also probably helps T.J. Yeldon, in my opinion. I think it's a little more suited to him. Mm-hmm. If you look back at what he did in college, it's – this is very similar in the run scheme that they did. Uh, he'll, he'll probably be a little more spread out, create more vertical lanes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's not TGL and having to do everything. There's going to be much more, okay, you're going to go hit this hole instead of string it out until you yeah. see an opening and hit a lot, it. And a lot more compliments to the running game. I think you'll see a lot more of the, the run-pass option stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot more, you know, just giving Blake Bortles the, the freedom to just play football. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing, I think. I, I mean, mean, and and you would think a guy coming in being able to run his offense when he had success with what was in place, he would be able to improve upon that. 
I mean, I, I completely agree. And plus, and plus, being with the franchise quarterback, being with around the team, knowing the strengths, weaknesses, already having years of film and knowledge about what these guys can and can't do very well, playing to those strong suits, kind of hiding those blemishes that could be. Um, he's got a jump start on... Hey, what can what can we focus on? What are we going to design? What do we know we can't? What can we do a hundred percent of the time? And what can we do well? Yeah. And it, exactly the X's and O's. What are they going to be? We'll see. Yeah, that is kind of the unknown. I know a lot of people. While Marone was in Buffalo, with Tackett was there with him. Um, were very critical of their offensive style, and they were... I haven't watched all the Buffalo tape from when they were there, but people were critical of a little bit of um, unaggressive play calling, very conservative play calling, and you actually saw that in Maroon's last game as the Jaguars interim head coach at the end of the game. So that's something that concerns me a little bit. I obviously think that these people know... The perception about them and that, and they, it, that could also they could learn from that. Saying yeah. you know, look back at the film. I mean, we we could have pressed this a little bit more. We could have done this, this, and this. And that it could be something where you might not see that. Part part of the problem I think that people might have, or at least they are everyday kind of just fan, the you know your armchair quarterback kind of fan might see with Hackett's offense is it. It's not very meticulous in how it's run, but it's very uh, take what you're given kind of offense. Um, a lot of what he did back with isn't that a lot of what Brady does? Yeah, exactly. Like, like how you want to see big words getting thrown. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like look at Ryan Nassib in college. A lot of what they did surrounded around Nassib and that offense being able to run fast and efficient. Not necessarily taking a 50-yard shot all the time. You, It was more six yards here, seven yards here, three yards here. And that starts to really, really wear down a defense. Mm-hmm. Because those three, four, five, six-yard gains turn into 80, 90 plays a game. Yeah. And that's, that's a load. Like, And you're moving the chains. You're moving the chains, you're moving the ball. And if a quarterback can do it efficiently, it's very, very effective. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's his offense, from what I've seen and stuff, is very much predicated on taking what you're given, making smart reads, and being smart with the ball. Not let's just throw the ball all willy nilly around the field, which I don't think Blake can do. do. Yeah. I mean, he's proven that he can't. So, um, I, the only thing that for me, well, not the only thing, but one of the main things that sticks out to me is it's just business as usual. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy that was here the last year or two that basically the players, not not necessarily offensive players have criticized play calling, but there have been players calling shots at the coaching staff in general. Yeah. And there's a mentality, there's a softness there where there was reports of players missing meetings, mm-hmm. players not showing up for... Um, uh, rehab sessions before games, like on a Friday. 
Um, it's it's hard for me to just all of a sudden flip the switch and say, okay, these are going to be hard asses. They're yeah. going to expect the best out of them, and, and nothing less will be good enough. Yeah. Well, and, I think Coughlin's going to demand that. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps having somebody at the top saying this is how it's going to be, but you're, the guy that you're reporting to is still the same guy. So it's it's hard for me to think that these players are just going to change their mentality of or change their idea of what's going to happen in the building until they actually see it and they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to realize it that things have changed or they're going to fall into their own thing and fall behind. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that it'll be really easy to see who isn't mm-hmm. really falling in line because those guys are going to be gone quick. Yeah. Um, now it's I, I personally, once the Chip Kelly news came out that they were interviewing him for the offensive coordinator position, I was 100% on board. I think it would have a chance to make the Jaguars... I think it would have made them a better team. They would have had an identity and for the first time maybe in quite some time. <laughs> but for whatever reason, we can speculate on that all day. Nathaniel Hackett is the Jaguars offensive coordinator. And I'm very much okay with that. Yeah. Going into this entire process, I wanted Hackett. But, um, you know, when you get names thrown around like Chip Kelly, yeah. you have to kind of yeah. take a step back and look, wow, maybe maybe we should go in a different <laughs> direction. But uh, I'm glad the way it all worked out. And now we can get to a little bit of the rest of the Jaguars coaching staff. Um, and we've got a guy that Hunter really likes who's brought in as the running back coach, Tyrone Wheatley from Michigan. Uh, he, I believe he's Michigan's fifth all-time leading rusher. So a hell of a star in college. Um, I believe he was also a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah, I think he was too. We've got a whole ton of Buffalo Bills ties. But, um, you know, what do you, what do you know about Tyrone Hunter and what do you think about him? Um, I just know a little bit about what he's done, not necessarily as a player, but more of his um, his coaching experience. Um, he did, I mean, there's a lot of familiarity. He did coach at Syracuse and with the Bills, yep. both with Hackett and Marone. So again, yeah, I think he was with them for like four or five straight seasons. Yeah, he was there. He started at Syracuse with Marone and then was there when Marone left the Bills mm-hmm. and then moved on to... Um, to Michigan, um, so obviously there's a, definitely a big comfortability about that hire. Um, but I mean, look at the running backs he's coached. He's had some pretty good running backs at Michigan. He's he's had some pretty good success uh, in the coaching side. But not just that, but his you know career as a player has to at least come to the forefront a little bit when these players walk into the meeting room. I mean, you're a Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, you know, three-time first-team All-Big Ten, you know, and you're an All-American. Yeah. In not just football, but in track. That's in college. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, he's a guy that I think will command their respect and also easily identify with a lot of the younger players because he's still a young man, and he's still clearly got that – 
<laughs> you know, you see that some of those coaches with that fire. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know too much about him. I've been reading a little bit. Um, the main thing I keep seeing whenever I see his name, um, he he always says, um, "Take the ground that belongs to you." Yeah. He, he goes, when you run a play, that play is going in one direction. That's your ground. You take it. I like that. <laughs> you take what's yours. I like that a lot. have a mean streak. Yeah. We'll see what he ends up doing with these running backs, and I have a strong feeling there will be another running back for him to use in his arsenal Mm -hmm. uh, next season. Now, the offensive line coach has also been announced, which is Pat Flaherty. He has spent the last 12 seasons as a coach as strictly an offensive line coach. (laughs) It's not often that you see that. Um, You know, you'll see a guy... Go from offensive line coach to maybe get an offensive coordinator job and then go back to offensive line or go to other some mm-hmm. other capacity. But he has been the offensive line coach in the, the NFL every year since 2004. He's got to love what he does. And 12 of them were with the New York Giants. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, that's a guy that's got to have a ton of respect around the league. And... Um, He's a guy that's seen it all. He's dealt with some really talented teams in New York. He's dealt with some not-so-talented teams, some really talented offensive lines, not-so-talented offensive lines. And he's done some good things with those other lines. So uh, then moving over to the tight end coach, uh, it was reported that Ron Middleton would be staying on. Nothing has really come on from that, but Ron Middleton was supposed to be a holdover from the previous regime at tight end coach and we'll see what ends up happening with that. Nothing's really been announced yet. Uh, he did a good job developing, in my opinion, Ben Koyak and Neil Sterling, yeah. uh, who were both pretty unheralded coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And then on the D-line coach, we already talked about that, Marion Hobby. Uh, wide receiver coach, unnamed. Quarterback coach, unnamed. That presumably would have been Hackett if Chip Kelly got the job, but unnamed so far. Now, on the defensive side, again, the DB coach is Perry Fuel. He's a guy who's been an interim head coach before. He's held all sorts of positions in the NFL, and he's super well-respected. And he has those ties going back to Coughlin, too. And uh, I believe he was actually the Buffalo Bills interim head coach when he was the interim head coach in the NFL. <laughs> so again, going back to the Bills, uh, and then Mike Nolan, who Ooh. that would probably be the yeah. uh, biggest name at least sure. that could potentially be hired. He was interviewed or is being interviewed for the linebackers coach position. And if you don't remember Mike Nolan, he was the coach of the 49ers for a while. He's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL at many places. I think he's been the D coordinator for seven different teams. And um, he brings a lot of knowledge, a lot of respect. uh, And I think that would be a great hire if they're able to land him. He spent 2016 as an analyst for NFL Network. And he surprisingly did well with that. When I saw that he was going to be an analyst (laughs) for NFL Network... He's kind of a dry guy, it seems like, usually, but uh, worked out. He did well. And also, since we spoke last week with everybody here on the podcast, Joe DeCamillis was named the special teams coordinator, and that, in my opinion, is by far the best hire of a coordinator that the Jaguars have made in a while. Yeah. Uh, 
Judgey Camillo's commands respect as a special teams coordinator. He's been the Jaguars special teams coordinator. He was most recently in Denver, where Denver's special teams units were among the tops in the leagues every year he was there. And uh, I think he's a guy that, for Jaguars special teams, that has not been impressive as of late, could really get them into shape, hopefully pretty quickly. Yeah, when, when, when he's a special teams coordinator with a recognizable name, you know he's doing well. That's right. He's he's Hayes Carline called him a home a home run. Right. Uh, Doug Marone said he's one of the most respected names in in, in the NFL coaching community. Um, a, uh, Adam Podlash, former Jaguars player, yeah. actually talked about him a little bit. Um, the kind of went into detail about what what to expect from him. Um, he said he's uh, directionally oriented, basically. Being very precise, cutting the field in half, um, forcing the returner to have to work through that, knowing where the ball is going to be coming from, mm-hmm. getting coverage down there. Yeah, uh, your coverage knows where the ball is supposed mm-hmm. to be, and that's where they're getting to. Yeah. And the punter just has to execute, and there's no reason to think that Norman shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, he's been the MVP. He's, he's, he played great. Yeah, he really did play very year. well for the Jaguars this year. So... Again, we're without a wide receiver coach, we're without a quarterback coach, we're without a linebackers coach. But other than that, everything's come together on the uh, coaching side. And it's a staff that, you know, you never know how coaching staffs are going to work in the NFL. Just because a great guy could just not mesh with the players he's dealt, or he might not mesh with his offensive coordinator. There's so many different possibilities that can happen. But on the surface, it looks like this is a strong, very strong group of assistant coaches and coordinators. That could potentially get better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of young guys, really. And there's there's young guys and there's veteran guys. But they all have, they all have clout, for yeah. sure. It seems like it's a good mix, like, to bring that new culture of, you know, being tough and hard-nosed football like Tom Coughlin and – Discipline football, and then there's also that younger kind of new mentality of uh, maybe a little bit of what I guess people would say Gus Bradley was trying to bring, but it's it should mesh well, I would think. And not to mention, they all seem to know each other, yeah, in some way. It's all that you know, what is it, six degrees of separation? separation. <laughs> That's right, That's what it seems I like. I think it was called six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It, it just seems like this is a staff that can mesh very well. Um, and I, Again, we'll see what happens. At, at the end of the day, I think it's all on the players. It's going to be a new vibe in the, in the locker room. Yeah, sure. it really will. And it will be interesting to see what happens. Well, I think we've beat the uh, coaching hires and all that talk to a pulp now. Let's get into some interesting news and notes that have happened in the last week. Uh, Very cool honor for Jalen Ramsey and Unique Ngakwe. They were both named to the Pro Football Focus All-Rookie Team. Uh, You can say what you want about Pro Football Focus, but it's nice to see these guys being recognized. Um, Ramsey was clearly the best rookie cornerback in football. And I he think was the best cornerback, period, over the last the four last four weeks, games. he was easily the best cornerback in football. It was unreal. Two interceptions, a pick six. I think he was allowing like 
30 or 40 percent completions, terrible quarterback Did, rating. His his stats for the year was like a it was like a I think a 60 or 68 something quarterback quarterback rating. With nasty. like six to seven hundred yards against him, and been, like four touchdowns or something, something crazy. Not, yeah. I mean, for a rookie, that's ridiculous. It's remarkable, yeah. and it's pro football focused. But and he felt like he was being being caged, poorly utilized. Yeah, but I mean, oh God, we'll see what happens. At least the beast. About time Jackson will get some kind of recognition, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then Yannick Ngakwe made it too. Ooh. Who? And Gakwe, you just got to love the kid as a Jaguar fan, as a football fan in general. Coming out of Maryland, he led the college uh, college football in sacks his final season in college. But everyone was gave him that, oh, he can't play run defense. Well, in college, he didn't really play run defense very well yeah. at all. That was right. But he developed, and he busted his ass, and he, he, he documented that very well himself. Yeah. Via social media, um, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he went out and got eight sacks as a rookie, and uh, set the Jaguars' rookie record for sacks. Those are two guys you got to be really excited about moving forward. They're building blocks. Those are, I mean, two legit building blocks, and yeah. at the most, at a couple of the most important positions. Now, because you're affecting the quarterback, and you're preventing the wide receiver receiver from catching mm-hmm. the ball from the quarterback. That's right. Uh, now, I prefaced the last comment about pro football focus <laughs> that, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because while they are correct in saying Ramsey and Ngakwe should both be on the all-rookie team, they also believe, based on their rating system, that Jonathan Cyprian was the seventh best safety in football in 2016. Seventh best safety on a team with... Less than five wins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that might be more accurate in reality. Seventh best uh, in the AFC South? <laughs> like what? Like what? I mean, seventh best Jaguars uh, safety? I don't... <laughs> I mean, not a lot of people watch the Jaguars, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm sure someone at PFF now, watched them at some point. I'll give... I'm not going to give maybe the seventh best. That's a little ridiculous to me. He, I'm just, he was better. I, he, yeah, he I'm just thinking, I mean, Earl Thomas right off the bat. I mean, you can go down a list. Earl Thomas, Cam yeah. Chancellor, Teron Matthew. Like, you can There's do this easily. a good amount of names that would go ahead of him. Yeah. But, after, I mean, if you watch throughout the year and you watch the tape, there he, it was a lot better. It like, was. If I, if how many times this year? I mean, I think a lot of people fell into that hole. They were pigeonholed into saying, Cyprian's fault, Cyprian's fault. This was your fault, Cyprian. And there weren't a lot of times I felt this year that Cyprian really blew the play. If I'm a quarterback, I look and say, who's number 37 covering? I mean, yeah, that's I'm what I'm going to. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I would agree, too, on our, especially in our on the secondary. Yeah. yeah. But I think he played the role he was given very well this year. Um, I don't think it was a very sexy role or a very, you know, lights on me kind of role. But he did what he was supposed to do. And a lot. A lot, and I think the negatives against him are the previous years and the fact that he always pointed towards the sky. And he's a second round pick. Yeah, and a second round pick. But I mean, like the the those lights that are shining on him, those negative lights, greatly outweigh one good year. Yeah, the value of a second round pick versus a fifth or sixth round pick. If you if you would have played this way, this well, his whole career for us. He might not be necessarily a good second round pick, but he's not a bust at a second round. Yeah, he would. He wouldn't be the butt of 
a, every a lot joke. Of mean comments. Yeah, like no, he would. I think right now, if if he plays this way for his four year career or whatever it's been, he's not the butt of a joke. He's but he's, then you he's would, a guy you can play. But then you would expect him to take the next step. Because you would the yeah. way he's playing right now is his next is, step. Is, yeah. is, is marginal. <laughs> this should have been and his second year. Yeah. This Correct. should have been his second, his sophomore year step, or like even. And third and, year. and you could also say that bringing in someone who could handle the free safety role that Gus Bradley was Which asking is, of it. Yeah. This is the first year that he's actually probably had that. Yeah. So that could be something, but when you watch the guy, when you watch the guy when he's put in a position where he has to cover a tight end. Or oh, God forbid, a uh, wide receiver. Oh my no. God, he can't cover. He's the kind of guy though that I could see turning into like a Mark Barron, like what LA tried to do with Mark Barron. He's got to be closer um, to the last group. He can play within the box. There's yeah. no doubt. Like his run defense this year, so was he's pretty amazing. But we already have Talvin Smith, who's an undersized kind that's, of guy. That's his problem. Is a tweener. Yeah. And yeah. my thing, at he's a safety for the Jaguars as we talk right now. He's a safety. Yeah. Are the Jaguars going to be running a single high safety again next year? Because if they're not, Sip cannot be playing the back. He can't be playing cover two. No. He can't. He's not he a cover two safety. No. <laughs> yeah. um, now. Which, that's what Todd it, Wash ran when he, prior to joining yeah. now, uh, if Bradley. Yeah, if Todd Wash brings some of his, now he did coach with Gruden, so there is the chance that he does have some of that Tampa 2 background. Right, he and does, Cyprian could be a Tampa two style safety. You think? I think so, because a lot of the Tampa two is based just, off of having that linebacker drop. Yeah. With that you don't linebacker have to worry drop, about the, about the middle, of the it field. takes a lot of the stress off of that strong safety. So you're running the Tampa two sips out there, and Miles Jack is dropping back. Yes. Yeah, is that what you want that, to say? That is exactly. Yes. Right. Like, you read my mind. You don't I mean, run the Tampa two if you have what we have. I don't think it's what you live on necessarily, but. I don't know what they're going to do with Cyprian. It's that great unknown. Just yeah, like it's going to be interesting to see like what type of offers he gets yeah, on the open market. I mean, I could see a team throwing a little bit of cash at him. I think so. I think a team that but, is yeah. that is very comfortable in their defensive backfield and that has a space that maybe to beef up the ball. Look, look at a guy now, like Dion Buchanan. I'm thinking Detroit would be a place that Cyprian could play, just because they do have a little bit of you know security in that backfield. And they just need a little beef inside the box with linebackers and outside yeah. backers. Yeah, they're linebackers. So, I mean, who knows? It's again, it's still early, but but seventh best? No, no, no. no thanks. <laughs> At no least thanks we can all agree focus. on that. Um, He's about average. He should be in the middle of the pack. Yeah. So At now best. some other interesting uh, <laughs> media crap going on, and I'm calling it crap. Very elegant. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna call it crap because it was crap. Roto World, which is a uh, NFL rumors type site, basically posted a post that said Mike DiRocco of ESPN, the Jaguars NFL Nation reporter, was predicting that Julius Thomas would be cut by the Jaguars. They totally took Mike DiRocco's post out of proportion. DRock was assigned to make a prediction that could happen this offseason based on uh, a player getting released. So D-Rock did his assignment. Yeah. And he thinks Julius Thomas is the most likely guy that could get released for the Jaguars. Completely valid statement. Totally valid. Given the context. Right. But to then report on that, as Roto World did, 
and make it seem like this is an imminent thing that D Rock has an inside track on knowing that it's going to happen. That's not what it was. It was simple, a simple off-season prediction piece, and they took it way out of proportion. It's it's like asking a question, knowing that the answer is going to ruffle some feathers, and then taking that answer and, and not, not providing context, not and just providing the question you asked to get them there. exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's crap. It's a clickbait. I mean, we, we live in a clickbait world, news. so I mean, it is what it is. It but. is something that he said, and that it could very well happen, but I, don't, I mean, let, I mean, now that Nathaniel Hackett's the offensive coordinator, he's got film on him. If he really thinks, hey, we, we, I, I like Neil Sterling, and I like what Ben Koyak do, and we can save ourselves four and a half million dollars. Yeah, why not? Cut him. Absolutely. So, uh, I think he probably will be gone. I think so. I do, uh, but. Well, that remains to be seen. I mean, the guy, if you run him in the right system, he can be just a, such a stud. But yeah, he's, he's, he's not versatile in any way. He can I, do one thing really yeah. well. I personally don't I don't think it's what necessarily a Coughlin wants with a tight end. I mean, no, Coughlin likes a guy yeah, that can do end. everything. He doesn't expect, like a flex guy. And expect a pullback to come I, back. It wouldn't surprise well, me. Well, and the thing about Thomas, you say he... I would refer to it like that concept as a move tight end. He's That's what people always call He's flex. an H-back. Yeah. But the thing about Thomas is he, even in that role, is still one-dimensional. Yeah. You don't want him running outs. You don't want him running short don't little patterns. He's a no, seam. You want him running straight down the seam yeah. in the middle of the field, and that's all you want him to do. No, he's a seam. And let him uh, beat his guy. Sale kind of guy. I yeah. mean, so, I mean, that's so one-dimensional. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think to look for him to maybe get out the door he has no um, hip movement it's like no <laughs> I do I mean I like Koyak and I like Neil Sterling I like the tight ends we have there's um, some talented tight ends in the are, draft this year um, there are some very Jake talented butt. tight ends give me that butt I like Jake Butt like, I really do like Jake Butt now he has a torn ACL which means you could pick him up get him late in a later round um, but also again you gotta look at the move to maybe a possible fullback mm-hmm. or at least a more versatile tight end who could be used as a fullback. Yeah. Which I think Koyak could line up as a fullback. I think so too. He's, he's you don't very, want him to be a full-time fullback. No, I think he's a very big guy, and I think when that fullback position, you look for more of a squatty guy. guy who's going to be get up under the pads. Get up block. under the pads, get through holes, and really try to lead somebody. Yeah. Koyak's, what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, he's big. So, I mean, we'll see. Again, it's that great unknown with Julius Thomas, um, but it would be nice to save that money. Yeah, Pick absolutely. up somebody else. Because the Jaguars don't have we any We got $39 million. Why do we need 4.5? <laughs> hey, 39 4.5. million before the, in our opinions, expected releases yeah. of Devon House and it will Thomas. It will be above 40 yeah. by the time free oh, agency yeah. comes. It's going to be close to 50, I think, by the time free yeah. agency comes. Unless they give Amukamara some money. I mean, if they gave Amukamara and Cyprian some money, then... Man, I would be surprised. I, would I be, think I wouldn't be surprised. I about think Amukamura should get some. Me too. Amukamura made it. Somebody's going to give him money. Why he, not? It be us. I mean, but look what he did. He gave really Ramsey somewhat of freedom to play one half of the field. Mm-hmm. He also gave the wide receiver some freedom too. <laughs> I mean, I thought Amukamura. He played, played against some really good receivers this year, and I yeah. thought he did well. I, I mean, look I, at the I passing numbers. Too. Look at the numbers. Yeah. 
I know a lot of people will point to some of the obvious plays that he missed, but that's going to happen in every secondary every year. Yeah. It is. Uh, now, Luke Jokel, according to John Clayton of ESPN. Now, this is a hot take. For real. Oh, my goodness. He is the uh, number 35, I believe, free agent heading into 2017. And that is just shocking to me. I mean, the guys that are surrounding him, there's guys like... Just under him is Eddie Lacy. Yeah, so John Clayton thinks Luke Jokel is a more valuable free agent than Eddie Lacy. Who, who name the five guys behind him. Uh, if, you can, if you have it up, I mean... I lost Eddie Lacy is literally the spot below him. Of the, of the controversial things that we have talked about on the show, I tend to agree with this take. And I know people are going to probably give me all sorts of okay, crap. He's listed as guard. He, I, How many games did he see him play? I like, okay. greatly like him as a guard. Listen to this, Hunter. We've got we've got what you wanted. Take uh, it in context. Luke Jokel's the number 36 ranked free agent, according to John Clayton. Going into this year. Going into 2017 offseason. Okay. The five people behind him. Whew. Eddie Lacy. Right behind him? 37. Okay. Zach Brown, 38. I believe he led the league in tackles this year, or he was really close to leading it. Kenny Stills. I could see I could see Jokel being yeah. ranked higher than Stills. Stills is a uh, exciting player, but he's, he's like not. He's like a number three. He's not. Yeah, exactly. Lawrence Timmons. Uh, he's getting up there. He's 30, he's 30 years old, but like yeah. that dude balls. He's an amazing linebacker. Watch him in the last couple games. I agree. He's one of the better linebackers that Pittsburgh has had in their history. I completely agree. I don't agree or disagree with you. Kevin Minter. That's another really good linebacker. Those are the five guys behind him. And let... Just for a little bit more contest, let's let's look at who's right in front of him. That's that might help a little. Sylvester bit. Sylvester Williams, defensive tackle, Denver, filled in for Malik. Right, and he did really well this year. Uh-huh. Latavius Murray, beast running back. Yes. T.J. McDonald, beast safety, yes. strong safety that has range. You know what I mean? Barry Church, very good safety. Yes. The next Dallas offensive lineman, Riley Reef. Yeah, Riley Reef is only five spots in front of Luke Jokel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, the number 36 might be a little bit crazy. Obviously, what I, Clayton's looking at is potential. I It has to be potential, and it has to be also coinciding with the fact that the NFL offensive lineman position, outside of maybe left tackle, is very weak. It's right very now. poor. It, oh, is, yeah. it is bad. Guard play, really offensive line play in the NFL – has been atrocious. Yep. If you put on film from 95 <laughs> or 90, or just go the same year, 96 and 2016, it's night and day. Well, yeah, I mean, Look in mean, 1996, you had probably like 10 Hall of Fame left tackles and right tackles. Because look at the play style. Out. But it's, I don't think it's the play style. I think it's, it has, when I mean, you have it's to block, a, it's when a, you have to block for a second and a half and you get drafted in the first round because of that. I mean, yes, but it, it's not necessarily play as much, I think, as it is the times of um, uh, the softness of the game. It is and soft. I, and I've heard soft. Like, so soft. W- look, in 96, you can listen to Baselli talk. 
They were in pads four to five times a week. They're in pads never. They wear little soft shoulder pads. Well, yeah, and you can't really practice your technique no. unless you're actually out there it, practicing no. blocking a guy that's about to nail your quarterback. No. Yeah. Well, and you have to, you have you have to. I've heard I've heard um, Tony Vizzelli talking about a lot about this, which he says some out there stuff. But he's. But when Tony talks about it, he talks about what he's talking about. Jeff Logman goes up against him a lot. Yeah. They said that they spend so much time talking about scheme, talking about where you're supposed to be, talking Mm -hmm. about who you're blocking. They don't talk about fundamentals. Yeah, it's all. This is what you need to be doing. You need to set here. You need to squat. You need to. Well, and, you know, I I do have a little bit of familiarity with it just yeah. because I do yeah, I do, you know more I, than we, we I do. do coach and I do go to these clinics and it is when you go to clinics nowadays people don't want to go talk about technique because you people, only have so much time to, to, to and to it's boring games. I guess to some people people mm-hmm. want to talk about X's and O's yeah they want to talk about what's the great new play what's the new gadget how can I put a wrinkle in to make it look sexy People don't want to talk about the simple fundamentals of feet and hand placement. Yeah, they might practice it a little bit. I mean, everybody does the drills. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals that go into practice in the NFL are not what they used to be. And it's the same thing at every level. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think people nowadays with, like, Jokel are so focused on how damn athletic people are. Like everybody's like, oh, he runs a four three forty. That doesn't matter. Right. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't. But everybody—that's that, one of the reasons Luke Jokel was drafted so highly because well, of his him. athleticism. He's what six six, and he's tall and lanky, and he runs pretty well. He's quick, got nice feet. But that doesn't necessarily make you a good Everyone, offensive lineman. Yeah. Would you have thought Leon Searcy was going to be a good offensive lineman? Like he's just a big dude. So it's. That I dude think was a beast. He was a beast. But dude, you got Tony Vasselli and Leon, <laughs> Leon seriously yeah. bookending. It's it's the Man. changing of the guard, I think, and the way we look at football. But I mean, then everyone's trying to find Teron Armstead. Yeah, that big guy who can just blaze. Mm-hmm. On the field. On the field. On the field. If you want that, I stopped myself. But they want guys who can they can run, they can be athletic, they can play good. They, they play good shorts football. As in, they, 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 yeah, they look I good think that's in perfect. the gym. Everybody wants the gym football player. Everybody yeah. wants the, uh, the, the guy, guy who, who looks green shorts. Who really what, what's the guy? I can't think of his name right now from the Packers that got drafted. Um, Bakhtiari? TG no, no, no. no. Offensive lineman. One of the biggest busts ever. I, I can't oh, remember. Oh, Yes. Tony Man, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Look yeah. at going old school on us. But, I mean, look at that. That's I think yeah, He was, like, created in a lab. <laughs> that was one guy back then when busts were because of those kind of picks. Look yeah. at the busts now. They're very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we were just talking about Cyprian. Look at Cyprian. Very physical. Well, athletic. Can't play football. Greg Robinson's the same thing um, yeah. with offensive yeah. linemen. God, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, he's big. He's athletic. He uh-huh. does everything. And he played but what can, the system he played in. But what can't you do? Block a defensive end. And I, a lot of it does have to go, I think a lot of the way we talk about offensive linemen and just the game of football has to do with the the rise of the Von Millers of the world and the Yannick Ngakwe's and those kind of people. Defensive players are Be- just getting better. 
too. But it's it's the fact that everybody's focused on that finesse. It's not a lot of bull rushes and the the Reggie Whites of the world anymore. It's not. It's I'm going around you and I'm going to make it look good. You look need, at uh, you had a Freeney. couple buses that made. But made I mean, look me at go, look at Dwight Freeney. Freeney made a living on a spin move. Yeah. You look at dudes like Reggie White. Yeah, they were quick with hands, but he had the best spin move. That was an anomaly. See, but that's the oh thing. People are so. And then his enamored. teammate Robert Mathis almost uh, emulated it better than anyone else has ever yeah. done it too. Gosh, those but, guys I mean, were awesome. That's you, Colt. Yeah. That's what people <laughs> love to see. That that awesome finesse that. The ballerina. They wanted to look feet. good, yeah. not necessarily. Not necessarily oh, he just, just go play football. Over. I mean, look at the dudes that were the dudes. They were uh, dudes. Dick buckets <laughs> and those kind of guys. They weren't pretty. They just played football, and I think that's where we're. They leaving. put your teeth in the back of your head. That's what pretty they much. Did. And the guys we have now, I don't think do that. Well, so, I, I think it's a combination of the culture and yeah. exact. I think the biggest thing, though, really is the practice. I, I mean, I completely They agree. have such limited time that they're yeah. able to spend with them. They're talking more about plays than talking about technique, yeah. like you said. Because it, the offseason is so long, and the, the preseason is so short. Oh, my God. It's playing catch-up. Everything they do is playing catch-up. And I guess in a way of you know, going around my elbow to get to my ass, I just <laughs> explained why Joko might be a guy. But, uh, yeah, that's where we started. <laughs> oh, wait, what? I just realized we were talking about Joko. But, I mean, that Joko does have potential, I believe. And I yeah, think he I, was serviceable. I actually I think you're crazy it. to think he wouldn't have potential. No, and I think I even we, we even talked Which about it. a lot of Jaguar fans don't think he does. Yeah, but when they moved him to guard, I'm pretty sure we talked about it prior to this year. I, I feel like if the Jaguars could sign him at a reasonable rate, they, like a they, would, they would probably do that. Why not? It's depth. It's a dude. It's... I mean, they're... Does bringing Luke Jokel back make your offensive line as it stands right now better? Yes. When, yes. when, when I think you it have does. so much yes. injury so many injuries. I and it does because he's a good football player, I think. And he's also a good potential, but I also think it's because just like we talked about, the offensive line is not good in the in the NFL, not just here. Right. There's a couple free agents that we might get into on another podcast. Yeah, there's there's some very, nice offensive line. That we like very much. <laughs> Absolutely. So you'll have to stay tuned for another podcast. That's called, on that. a, that's called a teaser. <laughs> you know, we were planning on getting to our top five potential Jaguars that could be free agent pass rushers, but we're running out of time here. We've got to get into the East West Shrine game, which this is a college all star game. A college all-star game. Most people don't think of it that way. No. Most people think of it as, oh, that's a bunch of crappy players. Well, it's like the the knockoff of the senior the senior bowl. But not everybody's senior. Some of the best players come out as juniors. Right. And this generally does not feature the best no. players. It generally does not feature first round picks. Typically, if you're leaving early, you're you're going you're going. But, <laughs> but what it does feature, for example, in 2016. The East-West Shrine game featured 90 players that were either drafted or signed as undrafted free agents. Good lord. 90. Out of how many? (laughs) 90. Probably probably about 120. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But literally, I mean, most of the players in this game will be on an NFL roster at some point. And it could be your favorite team, which, of course, should be the Jaguars. Uh, Or else. (laughs) Or else. 
Um, we'll find you. Uh, so four of the guys from the East-West Shrine game in 2016 actually went in the top 100 picks. Joe Thune went 78th to New England. Javon Hargrave went 89th to Pittsburgh, and he's playing some good football for the Steelers right now as we speak in the playoffs. Offensive lineman uh, Graham Glasgow, who that's a that's a pretty I wouldn't say he's a household name for NFL fans, but if you're a scout, like you're like, oh yeah, I know Glasgow. 95th overall pick to Detroit Lions, and then Justin Simmons went 98 to the Denver Broncos. Uh, every single team is going to have scouts at this game. Every single of the uh, the 32 NFL teams will be there, and uh, there's going to be some exciting players that could be Jaguars. You know, come draft and uh, undrafted free agency. So, uh, a lot of that content, by the way, that we just brought up comes from one of our new contributing writers, Andy Choynowski. That's a great name, isn't it? Yeah. Andy Choynowski. And poor Andy's stuck up in uh, Steeler country. He's from Pittsburgh, but he's a Jaguar fan. I was going to say, he sounds like an old like <laughs> 60s football player. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Playing in the Steel Curtain. All right. So shout out to you, Andy, and uh, for all Andy's takes, you can find him on Twitter at Andy Choi, C-H-O-Y, 570. So he breaks down some some really quality players that could be Jaguars. Ewan Price is, of course, from Pitt. We've got the Pittsburgh native talking about the Pitt guy, but he's a really impressive player. He... uh, He's a probably going to be a sort of three-four type outside linebacker, six foot one, two hundred fifty-five pounds, thirteen sacks in two thousand sixteen. Pretty impressive, right there. He, to go along with forty-five tackles and three forced fumbles, um, he's a guy that could be around in the latter rounds and could be a developmental guy that could turn into a really special player. Uh, Jimmy Gilbert, linebacker, he's. An undersized linebacker, uh, and he's probably also a 3-4 pass rusher type guy, but you never know what could work out in the NFL as the 3-4 and 4-3, the separation between the two schemes at this point is minuscule. Um, he's six foot five and only weighs 230 pounds. Oof. He's got a bulk up. Yeah. But, I mean... That type of body kind of reminds you of maybe like a Leonard Floyd. Obviously, yeah. he's not nearly as highly regarded. But he did rack up 10 sacks, 62 tackles, 6 forced fumbles in 2016. Lord. I mean, that that puts uh, Unique Ngakwe to shame. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's really impressive. Uh, another guy on the defensive side of the ball, Xavier Woods. He's from Louisiana Tech. Uh, he has incredible numbers and... Um, 2016, he really did it all. Kind of seemingly a do-it-all type safety. Could be a free safety or strong safety. Uh, 81 tackles, 6.5 tackles for loss, 6 passes defended, 3 sacks and 5 interceptions in one year. Obviously, Louisiana Tech doesn't play the stiffest of competition, but that's a guy you got to look out for. Uh, and then moving to the offensive side of the ball, the Jaguars could be in need of a running back. And uh, there's a man by the name of Itavius Mathers, who is, uh, originally went to Ole Miss, transferred to Middle Tennessee, the Raiders, for the 2016 season, and he'll be coming out. And he just tore up uh, the Raiders competition for 232 carries, 
1,561 yards. He averaged 6.7 yards per carry and 17 touchdowns in 2016. And he's a good threat out of the backfield. He had 66 uh, catches in 2016. So he's a guy you got to watch out for. And not only Andy Toynowski from Generation Jaguar has pointed him out, but Matt Miller, the lead draft scout for, uh, for Bleacher Report, also brought up Mr. Mathers today, and he really likes him. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Michael Roberts, let's say Mercedes and Julius Thomas both vacate the building. Uh, he's a tight end, six foot five, 270 pounds. He's a big dude who might be sort of what Coughlin's looking for. He can be a pass catcher, but he can also really play and uh, and run blocking and pass blocking situations. Uh, he caught 16 touchdowns in 2016. Huge red zone threat. And then finally, Andy Choynowski's got us with Evan Goodman, who's an offensive lineman. He played tackle in college, but it seems like he might be a better player uh, more suited to play at guard in the NFL. Get him in some tight spaces, and uh, he's six foot four, three hundred six pounds. He's a guy that struggled at times when defenders were able to figure him out, but he shows good hand use, and he's a guy that it's a talented guy. And uh, these are not the only talented players by any means that are going to be in the uh, East West Shrine game. There's a ton of good guys. Ton of guys from big name schools. Brian Cox from Florida is going to be there. There's going to be plenty, of, plenty of guys from Michigan. Um, and again, if you want to catch this game, it'll be on NFL Network uh, this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you know, let's say you don't want to watch it on TV. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably live in Florida. It's in St. Petersburg. Go catch the game if you want to. Um, it's sure to be a good time, and this is really kicking off scouting season big time. Woo. The Jaguar Super Bowl is what I call it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's go win another offseason. Um, so you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to tune in. The chances are there's a guy on this in this game that will be a Jaguar at some point. So good to upgrade your knowledge of football and learn a little bit about some guys that aren't necessarily going to be first round, second round draft picks. There are definitely going to be some key players, key contributors coming from this group of uh, There's no question. And then after that we just keep moving along. The Senior Bowl's coming up. That's that's the that's the really meaty one. That's yeah. where it gets exciting. There's first round picks playing in that game. But, you know, the East-West Shrine game is a hell of a hell of a thing that's put on every year uh and it's it's something you really should tune into and that's about that's it's about all the time we're gonna have today as scott's rummaging through his beers to throw them away over here (laughs) no but um we appreciate you stopping by today listening to us again this is the generation jaguar podcast i'm jordan delugo you can find me at jordan delugo that's D-E-L-U-G-O, and I spell Jordan the correct way. If you don't know that, sorry, <laughs> not going to tell you. Uh, and then we've got Scott Klein, who's on Twitter, at Scott Klein one and Hunter Evans, at Hunter underscore Evans underscore 7. Um, 
Make sure to check out the Jinjag website. We've got all the latest news and analysis, all the updates, and make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag, on Facebook, at Generation Jaguar, and on Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.